0: Welcome baby boomers, Generation X, Millennials, and Generation Z, and any other generation I may have forgot, to the A Space podcast. We're about to run the intro, thanks in part to I Am Him Beats. This is the whole point of this podcast. What we need to do is to open up a healthy discussion about this issue. You can't get rid of an
1: idea by pretending it doesn't exist.
0: Day-to-day household. You gotta get outside of your household and try to make meaningful, deep connections with other people, and then you can probably consider those other people family. That'll probably be one of the things that drive us to becoming a more caring world, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, because some people
1: aren't fine to embrace their adaptability and other people are inclined to curtail it and make themselves and adapt themselves to fit in life. And that's fine. That's what makes a society dynamic. But we can't keep looking at each other and going, you're not perfect enough because you don't live up to
0: this specific code. Mm. That's not helpful, That's tribalism that creates division and it creates animosity inevitably between people. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, which is available on podcast services around the globe. This podcast is a Stitcher Premium affiliate. With Stitcher Premium, you can get episodes of some of your favorite podcasts ad-free. You can also get Stitcher Originals. And if you listen to this podcast, you can get one free month of Stitcher Premium on us by using code ASPACE at checkout. That's code ASPACE at checkout to get one free month of Stitcher Premium on us. Why not do it? You can also catch us on social media channels at A Space Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at aspacepodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. We're going straight to the podcast. All right, so the check in. Okay. All right, check-in. How you doing, son? <laughs> Welcome to Six Waves from Sunday number three. <laughs> we are your co-host, Nimbus the AP and the one Eye Gambler. How you doing today? Shit. <laughs> oh, sorry, that moonshine
1: creeping in. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, I've been under a lot of stress in the last, like really the last like six months but a lot more in the last 45 days which is how the holiday season goes for a lot of people i'm sure a lot of y'all out there can relate especially in the service industry and retail this is like both really good for your hours and your and your and your numbers but damn if this shit don't damn if this shit don't fuck you like it's worse than a heat wave yeah it's like so like in a heat wave down here in the south it's like like anywhere you see a spike in like irritation and like people hopping out of cars and starting shit at red lights and that kind of crazy junk because people are just on edge more, because they're more uncomfortable this is like that every day for 45 days well really like 30 until you get to christmas
0: well, consumer as a man, like everybody's trying to get out and get gifts, get Ugh. their kids. The kids are off from school. You got to find somebody to babysit while you still have to work mm-hmm. because don't nobody get vacation for Christmas anymore. Nobody. Like, it's a bunch of stuff that's going on right now. Oh, are Town? So everybody gets one day off a week. It's December. And then Fuck. you still got to work during yeah. the holiday season, but everybody who does have the holiday season off is traveling and traffic is bad because all the uh, tourists are coming through. Jesus.
1: flight delays and shit. <laughs> yeah. So Man. it's just been, you know, I'm working, basically working two jobs. I'm working on my publications. I finally, I spent a month working on this last piece that I finally typed up.
0: Okay. Um, I want to I'm see that. super excited. I'll post. I'll what is it? A poem? Yeah. Okay. It's a free verse poem. Okay.
1: Here's the concept. What's that? Hashtag copyright. If I find this concept somewhere else, I'm not going to see you. I'm just going to cut your goddamn lungs out. <laughs>
2: That's
1: all. It's going to be real hard for you to testify when you got no
0: lungs to breathe. It's going to be hard for you to win a court case it will happen on a publicly published podcast which you admit that you're going to cut somebody's lungs out. So obviously my like, come on, man. Um, I'm, not actually, like, um, I'm actually going to cut somebody's
1: lungs out. I'll cut something different. out. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Clearly, I'm having trouble. Uh, I've noticed this recently about my demeanor. So my health is getting a, a little better. Okay. Um just because I eat pretty much the same diet all the time. So I just rotate like different cuisines in that have like similar caloric intake for each meal. And so I don't have to do as much tracking anymore. Um, Really the the problem is just the stress level is pretty much what's like just maintaining the weight. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's some things I can't bring up here because they're uh, more intimate with other people who should be here to the, to have it, have a voice. And Mm -hmm. most of them aren't going to be willing to come on and defend themselves. So
0: yeah,
1: I'm not going to get into all that, but suffice it. It's been, it's just been life.
0: uh, Yeah. It's been
1: life. Um, and then there's been like some ups and downs at my second gig. Um, it's been fucking slow, which is how it goes at bars. Um, the money kind of dries up because people go, okay, this is the month to be selfless and buy for other people. I'm gonna spend less on alcohol and go out less because I gotta flex like six hundred bucks for Christmas. Right. So that that eats up an alcohol bill real quick. Right. <laughs> Especially at a place where kind of place I work, a little more high end, a little more. It's classified as alcoholic retail business, similar to like a bottle shop would be, um, rather than like a bar and restaurant. And so the markup there is much more in line with, like, a retail store like Nordstrom or Belks or something you go to at the mall. Yeah. Uh, and it's just been fucking dry. Like, it's been real slow. Like, even last night, we were super steady. Yeah. And a bunch of our regular crowd came in. A bunch of people from out of town who were in town for business came in that used to come here, moved away for jobs or whatever. They come back. And they only have, like, one, maybe two drinks. And so the only tip, like... One, maybe two bucks. Or the only tip, like, change to even out their their, tip, their tab.
0: Yeah.
1: Because they're just cheap motherfuckers. <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, not everybody, you know, has a lot of walking around money. Sometimes right. it's, it's more, it's not necessarily about, like, having a mindset for those servers. It's, sometimes it's literally, like, people's one day we could just get out and be with their people. Yeah. And they, uh, we, we're going to stay for, like, one. And because that's what we got to work with. <laughs> Right. I understand right. that. So, um, I don't take it personally because I know a lot of the cheap tippers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're just like typical millennials, like we were talking about. They're having a hard time climbing the ladder and getting yeah. to where they feel like they want to be, which will probably take another six, seven years, which is normal. Like, there seems to have been like this shift in like the consumer base recently with all the uh, progressive movements to correct past. Or historical like inadequacies, there seems to be this shift in, in in younger people today where they go, "Well, I need my slice of." Life. I'm like, "You ain't been around long enough to be to be part of a uh, generational oppression." <laughs> like you're like 26, yeah. right? So you've only actually been out in the real world for like eight years. Yeah. and that's not saying you don't face like personal discrimination and things like that. That you should be made accountable for. Right? That you should be paid back for. But that's between you and the person who did it. That's not a multi-generational societal Mm fuck-up. Right? You could argue that that's the legacy of something like that. But that don't make it the government's job to come in here and give you a ticket. To say, come redeem this. That's more like, you should probably go seek legal counsel and sue the motherfucker who wrongfully terminated you.
0: Yeah, that's more like how I how I see that in like younger people. I just think younger folks need to start taking control of their own destiny, man. Right? We we need to like like stop let do stuff stuff for. This is the number one thing I come
1: across when I talk to young people who who operate in a divisive work environment or a hostile work environment. Not like personally hostile, but they just work in like a real ruthless industry, whether it's like lawyer, like political office, whatever. I'm like, dude, you pick like one of the roughest industries to get into where every day is a freaking slugfest, right? Like you get, you go into your job and you get a stack of files. These are the people you're supposed to go out, go up to bat for. And you have to like turn on the rab, rabbit attack dog mode mm-hmm. just to like, and, you know, you got a scrap tooth and nail as a lawyer, as a person in political office or somebody trying to make change. I'm like you can't just go in there and when you lose the first blow right when you get hit before you can react you can't just go oh what was me like you pick the job that takes grit
0: yeah
1: right and they go or um, my favorite is like young managers yeah that don't know how to deal with somebody who's significantly older than them and has way more years of experience who has just chosen not to be in management yeah and they don't understand how to, like, get through to them, how to relate to them, how to get them to continue to care about their job. Because that person's got, like, 40 years experience in the industry, and you're supposed to be the manager at 26 or, like, twenty-eight, whatever. Yeah. And they have no respect for what you say. <laughs>
2: right, because they, they go, know,
0: know everything that a manager should know. They right. Just, and they go, this is not yeah. as important as you're
1: making it out to be, because they've just gotten lazy after 40 years. No, like, mm-hmm. I'm getting ready to retire. I'm, I'm not. I have two more years. I've got five more years. Right. I'm not trying to rock the boat, but I'm not trying to come in here and bust my ass like a new person. Right. And they they have this like gap in the age difference, mm-hmm. which I guess they just attribute like the younger managers just attribute to a generational thing, and they don't understand the concept of generations like we we're talking about, and they don't understand the concept of time as a relative thing. Like, you can be a shitty employee in the industry for 40 years. Yeah. Or you can be a a super effective employee and make manager in six. Right. Right? Like, and like you were saying, they gotta own that fact. They gotta like, No. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Flex on that person who's being lazy. Like, look. Get it together and get out. I'm not gonna be the manager that writes your check into retirement for you unless you're gonna come up here every day and put in the effort if you got physical restrictions that's one thing but right. don't come in here and just be lackadaisical because you feel like you paid your dues that whole concept is a joke right there's a difference between putting in hard work and elbow grease and earning your spot versus getting your spot because you feel like you paid your dues right.
0: and that's that's what simon was kind of talking about last week oh, in this well, video man. that like us as millennials, we really kind of quit a little too early on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And let's... You know what I want to talk about today. Yeah. So, let's revisit tying that comment into what I want to talk about today. But, also... um, Yeah, man. We, we quit way too early and... But I also think that there's something that goes along with someone who has about 30 years in the industry on you Mm -hmm. uh, that knows everything a manager should know. Because I feel like with their 30 years in the game and the market being how it is right now, a lot of businesses need that 30 year veteran at their job that knows everything because I feel like people who have that. That mark on them mm-hmm. they're guaranteed job security in this current market
1: yeah almost so I mean, like you gotta do something really bad
0: right to get fire. <laughs> job security especially 30 or 40 years ago used to mean like a contract or like a you know or a union contract mm-hmm. or even like the st- The industry standard was like, Mm -hmm. if you're here for this amount of time or you make this leap leap or stride, you're guaranteed job security. Now, I feel like in the current industry, you kind of have to be like a 20, 30 year veteran and not want to be in a manager position to kind of have job security. Yeah. So like a a real popular industry for mm -hmm. that. For that example, which is what
1: most people are in now, most millennials operate within some sort of service job in the service industry, whether that's waiting tables or you're a manager at a bar or a hotel or whatever, like waiting the service industry covers a huge range of jobs. It's not just food and retail. Um, But yeah, for like the last... 60 years the the industry standard has been you work 40 hours a week on the minimum wage you should be able to make a, what they would refer to as a living wage for your area you should be able to afford the cost of an apartment um, like a one-bedroom apartment you should be able to afford your, your car note your phone bill all these things but that 40-hour work week was established in that time where we didn't have as much inflation as we do now We didn't have all the different service requirements that are needed to stay plugged in. You didn't have to have an internet bill. You didn't have to have a phone and a data plan. And these are all things that people have become, have encumbered as employees over time that a lot of companies just don't account for. And I mean, some do. Some do. Some go, okay, we're not going to look at your... Like, when you put it on your resume... Whether or not you have a car for your, for your means of transportation. If you don't have a car, especially in a city like ours, where it takes two hours for public transit to get you anywhere, like to get you across town,
0: yeah,
1: that means you're nine times out of ten not going to get the call back, exactly. even if you are qualified, because it red flags as non reliable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it doesn't matter how qualified you are if you're not there. Right? Like, I could be the best cook manager in town, but I've just moved here. I don't have a car. I've come from out of state. I've come from a four star restaurant. I'm way more applicable than anybody else that you've interviewed because yeah. I don't have a car. And the public transportation system here is not reliable. And you're not going to pay me enough to afford Uber five days a week. Right. To and from. Right. right. And I'm not going to be able to carpool with anybody straight out the gate because. I'm brand new. They don't trust me. Right. They're not trying to go out of their way to sacrifice me, take 30 extra minutes and get me from the other side of town. Exactly. Right? Or even just like 15 minutes down the road, they're like, bro, you live in an area that's got really bad traffic. Yeah. I'm not trying to be late because I had to pick you up. Especially because you've manager. Like that, it's a little bit more cutthroat. Even if you have 30 years. You know, if you don't have your car, whatever, go through a divorce, lose your assets or something, your car is more of a tool now. And a lot of companies are adjusting to that, but most of them are not by and large across the country. Right. They go, that's a luxury. And it's priced that way too.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, insurance companies look at it, it's a luxury and a privilege, not a requirement. But the private sector goes, mm, you kind of need your own car so you can control how fast you get. Exactly. That way, we're not liable. Or mm. something like city transit that we have no control of.
0: And dude, cars are becoming more standard. Like, mm. I mean, with the rise in like just startups, different type of businesses. I mean, like, now you, if you're in sales, man, you're in like account manager, you uh, live in your car. Like,
1: oh, yeah, I was just talking to a
0: dude. I mean,
1: yesterday who yeah. literally has that job. He manages the sales accounts for a company all in all of North Carolina. Like, he's in charge of the whole state for this company. Yeah. (laughs) he's got like 9,000 accounts.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) He's like, I spend 50% of my time on the road. Every time I meet with somebody, I spend like five to 25 minutes talking to them to figuring out what I can do. And nine times out of 10, I have to tell them I'll get back to them because I've used my allotted time I have for this site. And now I have to make good on my transportation time. Right. And yeah, they get paid for distance and all that. But it's just like nine times out of ten, it's their personal car too.
0: Right.
1: They don't get a company car. Yeah. You know, True. they might be able to ride with like one of their uh, busers or one of their distributors to deliver the goods. Yeah. To the area, maybe. Right. <laughs> you know. Uh,
0: no, a lot of them are riding around their personal car. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. if you ride with your dis- with your buser or your distribution guy, in his mm-hmm. truck. You're not just going to go along your route that you need to go along. Right. You're going to go along his route that he's right. got to hit. You know, so you're back to that problem of the guy lower on the totem pole, if you will, on the structure, not wanting to stick his neck out for the guy higher up. Because nine times out of ten, your manager that's right above you can't guarantee your job. Right. Right? Like, you have a bad work day, and he missed, like, six or seven vital accounts. He gets reviewed. He says, well, I wrote with Jason. Jason gets mm-hmm. called into the office. I'm like, why didn't you change your route to accommodate this guy? These are extremely vital accounts. He goes, I don't deliver to those accounts. <laughs> I deliver to these 46 other accounts. I don't hit those six. They're like 10 minutes outside my jurisdiction.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they go, well, it's only 10 minutes. You should have adjusted. You're fired. Now Jason's up shit creek without a paddle. His rents due in two weeks. Yeah. He's not going to make up the money he needs for his one bedroom apartment now. Mm -hmm. you know so there's this whole back and forth thing it's never as simple as you know it's not as simple as your boss's boss wants to make it it's not as simple as the politicians want to make it and it's frankly the whole concept of 40-hour work week is outdated and based on a time when the cost of living was significantly lower and yeah the minimum wage has gone up a little bit but not at a rate that matches the inflation rate and so people in the working class are on the short end in the middle class that was on the upper end after that negotiation back in like the thirties and forties about labor. Yeah. In the thirties, the middle class that was produced by that lasted about 30, 40 years until about the 1970s. And then we switched over to the credit system. And ever since we switched over to the credit system as a banking format for the national debt, middle class has just been slowly withered away and they've been moved back down into the working class and they don't realize it because you have all this legacy money from your parents. So millennial generation, generation Z, generation X, we're all classified based on federal standards as millennial uh, sorry, not millennial, working class or working class poor Um, and they're like Sitting there running on a campaign, you know, whether it's a local election or a a state election or a federal election, unemployment's the lowest it's been. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, but every person in the working class is working two to three jobs, sometimes four. And because they're working that many jobs, they're counted that many times in the percentages. Yeah. So really, when we're down to like five to six percent unemployment, we're still at like 10
2: yeah.
1: It just
0: on on the economy page it looks better. Maybe even thirty. Yeah, in some places, like or twenty, sorry, maybe even twenty percent. I mean you could argue for thirty
1: in some places like the Midwest. Yeah. The Midwest, the Rust Belt, the 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 swing states that voted Trump. You could argue yeah. that. And you can back it up with medical records. Yeah. Like you back it up with the medical The spike in uh, prescription drugs, you can back it up with the spike in chronic illnesses brought on by no uh, obvious biological factors, which basically then means it's stress. Mm -hmm. And then they get medicated. That creates another statistic of prescription drugs. You correlate that and go, well, these people in this area living within this certain amount of income have X, Y, and Z propensities or... Inclinations to develop these kinds of issues, these chronic illnesses, diseases, whether it's obesity, depression, anxiety.
0: Y'all, I freaking think antidepressants are the beginning. of
1: oh, their of the end. Of <laughs> of your life so bad, dude. I've seen. I mean, we grew up with those kids mm-hmm. in our high school. Like they just looked numb, and people thought they were weird. It's like no.
0: Well I believe the side effects I believe like the side effects of antidepressants Mm -hmm. start other conditions Mm -hmm. and branch off into other conditions and then after about a year you have
1: like 10-12 medications that are all supposed to treat the symptoms of the primary medication almost half I'm going to try and get this number right so I'm going to ballpark it it's going to be like huge uh, so if you're listening, correct my percentage, um, don't take it as like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just can't remember it right now. Anyways. space podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> 50 to 80% of antidepressants. No, it's gotta be higher than that. Yeah, it's gotta be way higher than that because there's only 12 or 13 antidepressants that are that have passed, uh, FDA safety standards. Um, and basically what that means is they don't cause another chronic illness. Mm. Other ones have passed like effect efficacy standards. Mm. Like it does it actually work,
0: Yeah.
1: but then they don't pass a safety standard, but you don't have to pass a safety standard in order to distribute it. Because mm. that decision of prescription and use is left up to the doctor and patient. So pharmaceutical companies don't have to make a pill that's not going to kill you. They just have to make a pill that's going to make their life a little better. Right. And so I'm going to ballpark it at 50 to 30 and be conservative with a 30-point swing. Um, 50 to 80% of antidepressants cause the symptoms that they're trying to fix. right? Whether it's anti-suicide or anti-depression and things like that, they go if you have thoughts of suicide, or your condition worsens, or it doesn't get better, call your doctor immediately. I'm like, if I'm trying to fix my depression, why do I want to take anything that causes me to have suicidal thoughts?
2: Yeah.
1: Like, when you're that far down in your hole because of your medication, you're not concerned about calling anybody anymore.
0: You're contemplating suicide. And... You don't think they give you that that warning because or that notice because some people get low doses of antidepressants that they probably need higher doses of for it to actually work.
1: Or it's that they're just misdiagnosed. I mean mm-hmm. not every doctor has a 80 90 percent success rate. Right. Right. Just because they pass their bars and their residency exams does not mean that they're fucking house. Yeah. You know, this whole concept of the infallible doctor is a myth. There are a handful of people in the world, as as far as surgeons go, like there's always a handful of people in the industry who just know how that works. Mm. Right? They they naturally know how to fix problems and work the system. As far as doctors go, it's about twenty five for any specific uh, sector of medication, whether it's uh, cardio, um, cardiothoracic, bone, um, general surgery, you know, neurosurgery. These surgeons, there's like about 25 of them in the industry across the world. They can just fix shit when they see it. They know how they know it's risky, but they have the skill and the aptitude to go in and take that 10% success surgery and make it a success. Yeah eighty percent of the time they perform that surgery. Right. So that doctor, who yes, they do fail twenty percent of the time at that highly risky surgery, but they're reducing that ninety percent risk to like a sixty percent chance with their skill. Yeah. That's incredible. But there's only about twenty five of them. We have one here at Duke. Um he works in the he works at Duke, but he uh does a lot of work with that with VA mm-hmm. with our VA office at Duke. And our VA office at Duke is one of the best in the country. And, uh, I know that he had, uh, a lot of heart issues when he got out
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he had to have open heart surgery, which is not bypass per se. He was put on bypass because it was one of the safest ways to do it. But, um, I mean, he was fully recovered in eight months. It should have taken like a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, this guy's made of like the true grit from like the old Western movies. Like he was lifting, you know, a uh, hundred pounds at six months. Yeah. And they were like, dude, you're going to fuck your shit up. He's like, no, I-, I feel fine. You know, they did the whole MRI follow up and x-ray and da da da. They're like, we don't understand how you recovered this quickly. And he will swear up and down before God that it was because of the doctor. And he's probably right. Yeah. I mean, that doctor, the cardiothoracic surgeon there is one of the top 10 in our country. Mm. Hashtag US of a for those global listeners, <laughs> um, which is again is another reason why people come down from like Canada, where it's a public service system for medicine, one yeah. pair system. And they come down here to have critical surgery. Mm. because they're on a the waiting list and yes their surgery is critical but they're in a, in a plateaued state for their condition yeah and so then they're not moved up on the priorities like the same way people here in the united states sit in a plateaued state on the uh organ transplant list
2: mm.
1: now well if you're not in critical condition you're not going to jump up the the list very much you know yeah like you need new liver they can like they can make you live like two three years on a shitty liver yeah, just trying to kick the bucket, because medicine, the pills are just that effective. But heart, no. Brain, no. I mean, you can't get a brain transplant. But they're trying it. They trying. <laughs> they trying. They're, trying. they're close. If, they, yeah. if we could just cooperate with China with stem cell research and gene therapy and growing organs, we'd make some progress.
0: Oh man, you could get a heart laced with fentanyl. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe. <laughs> um, but right now you know, it's going to take collaboration like that to really make leaps and bounds and heart and medical anymore. But, we're digressing on that point. Um, Bringing it back full circle, the point being, there's a lot of shit that people just can't afford now because they've been whittled down. Like, the middle class has just been whittled down. And that's statistically true as far as economic, federal economic standards go. You know, my wife and I we make a, a decent enough income for where we're at right now and we're trying to move up a little bit and stretch. Yeah. And stretch our expenses so that when we go for our next job upgrade, our next step up in our in our jobs, we can be like, Look, this is my cost of living, you gotta give me this, otherwise I can't do this. Yeah. You know, you have to be able to have that requirement for the company to consider doing it. You can't just be like, Give me seven percent increase in my income because I'm planning on doing this Yeah. they were like well if you haven't done it yet then we don't have to give it to you yet you know Yeah. so you gotta put the you gotta foot them the bill up front in the negotiation process which also a lot of people don't do
2: mm-hmm.
1: in our generation the millennials they're not as good at arguments and conflict and open unpleasant conf- conflict you know yeah. just in like a discourse like you and I have here on the podcast every week yeah. A lot of people I know can't go back and forth for two and a half hours. Like ninety no. percent of the people I know from our generation, they go they just get tired of it and they get exasperated. They nah, discipline, the patience, <laughs> the or they get heated. They get yeah. they feel like they're on the defensive, they get argumentative, then they start attacking you, making it too personal, they can't be objective. Yeah. And then they can't have that two hour conversation with their boss to explain to their boss why they deserve a seven percent increase. Yeah, which is why you gotta have the chips up front. You gotta start out from the gate. I'm not gonna negotiate like you're. You like you're playing cards. You bluff from the front, and then you can see, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta choose to fold or keep going. Yeah, it's it's a terrible outdated like analogy, but it's true because you're talking about business, which is the market of money, no matter which industry you're
2: in.
0: Right,
1: and uh. You know, this whole 40 hour work week thing is that's true if you're in like a trade skill.
2: Mm-hmm. If you're, if
1: that was the standard set for a worker, working class American to get into the middle class. Like, I have a trade skill, whether it's blacksmithing or or uh, I'm a nurse, I'm um, your, your bartender, your bar manager, anything like that. That was the standard set. I'm a factory worker, you know, print and steel. That was the industry set, and it just hasn't been adjusted. And instead, what's adjusted is the system in which we live that has then caused the whittling down and the transference of commerce back into the upper class. Like, this is not a, this is not like a happenstance thing. The upper class who have ties to the people in office intentionally did this slowly over time to make it harder to stop.
0: Yeah.
1: It's much harder to argue about a 1% decrease in your income in a year and prove that it's the company's fault versus your work ethic you know they bring you in for testimony they go so you stayed every second of every minute on the clock all year long that you were scheduled to obviously not a life happens b your manager sends you home early or they go hey you can cut out an extra five minutes early We've taken care of everything, since so it's been a slow night. So unless you're keeping meticulous records of all that shit yeah. for yourself, you're screwed when you get up there and you have to argue that. And they've done that consecutively for the last 60 years. You know, this is not a, this, like money here, like you were talking about the other week, is money talks bullshit walks. So right. that's a fact here in America. And sorry, US of A. Sorry, Canada. Sorry, Mexico. Um, but here in the United States, it's all about the money. Everybody worships that dollar to some extent. Some are not as beholden to it as others. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are. Are just stuck. And it's really hard to explain. that It's been a 60-year process coming that's brought us back to where we are, especially when they have national numbers like, we have a 6% unemployment rate in the African-American community. It's the lowest it's ever been. That's a mm-hmm. hard number to fight against, right? Unless you know the science, like if you're Brett Weinstein, or you know the experience, right? Or you right. know the experience, like. But yeah. if you're Brett Weinstein and you get asked that question, you catch that shit like an interception and run back, right? But your everyday server, your everyday manager at your bar, they're too worried about what bills they have to pay and right.
2: They're like, like, I don't have time to analyze an argument
1: because I'm exactly. here 12-16 hours a day, 4-5 or five times a week.
0: My job is not, taking on my mental energy. Right, and then when I'm not I'm at
1: my second job. Right. <laughs> right? You know? Like, it's crazy. It's it's not cut and dry. I think, uh, I think I, that just, that leads to the stress that I've been suffering from yeah. among other other things of life.
0: You know what stress I've been suffering from? Let me know. All talking these hating myself. Star Wars fans, bro. Oh, good line Oh, so my goodness. <laughs> good
1: lineup on that one. I was like, I'll, no, hang on. Let's dial it back. So we got to do your check-in. I'm not going to do that. We got to do your check-in. Oh, my check-in? Yeah, man. We're going to get to the Star Wars uh, folks. Don't worry about that. We are gonna cover that.
0: Well, I, that has something to do with it because I just... Negative energy, man. Yeah. Negative energy is like the most... It draws from you, like, (coughs) like, a lot. And I feel like, as a millennial, right, Mm -hmm. living in this era where everybody says millennials are entitled and millennials are lazy and stuff like that. Like, I go to a job and hear complaining and all this type of stuff, I mean everybody's doing it, and it's not even, like, it's not even this job I'm working now, mm-hmm. it's every job, bro, everybody's complaining all the time, and I don't, I don't get it, I'm like, dude, let's make the strides, let's make the leap and bounds. to, like, try, try working with family, yeah. let, to, like, make, make everything work, right, mm-hmm. and that just has me more, like, I just think this is the mindset That people are in that want to make their own way. So, like, make their own businesses and stuff like that. Cause, like, you were saying the other week, like, um, like you, you said something about, uh, not meeting with advisors or something like that. Cause you Mm -hmm. knew you didn't want to work for somebody. Same thing, man. I know I don't, I know I don't want to, like, like, now I'm at the point where, like, now I know that the next step in my life, to up like to move upward, advance my career mm-hmm. is a step where I create my career, like I create my own job, my own path. because yeah. I'm, try, I mean, I'm trying to explain that to certain folk, and they just exactly. don't understand it. They're like, "What you mean?" And I just that's and that's the way our commerce, our way of commerce is going these days now it's like the the stuff that survives the most is the stuff that people are creating like now is the age of like content creators and like uh independent contractors working for different businesses like the ones that make it work and that have the creativity and that are doing something outside of the box like Now is the time that if you're ingenuitive, if you're creative, if you have a good idea and you put in the work, I mean the work, now you're making it right now. And it's now a time more than ever because of stress and the strain and everything that's going on is is harder. So that thins the field. Yeah. Thins the eye the eye for you to strand (laughs) for you you to put the strand right, for you to take off exactly for you to put that strand through go viral so Mm. like I mean it's crazy so now I'm looking at everything and I'm seeing a lot of I'm seeing a lot of doors Mm -hmm. and I'm seeing a lot of people that can't fit And it's getting me down, no man. No shots
1: at the obesity. It's
0: like, tired. no, not at all. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, you know, square pegs in a round hole or, you know, that type of thing. That's like, what she
1: said. <laughs> it's like, it's 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 just, that's
0: right, what... I've been hanging out with a lot of my gay friends. That, so. <laughs> and it's just, like, constant, like, dick and hole jokes. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, it's man. just, that's the... The energy Ooh. that... That, oh, what was me attitude? Well, all the negative energy just makes me depressed. Like... Yeah, I know. I find myself... I could have a plan. And I could, like, know my plan and have all the tools to carry out my plan. But if, like, my atmosphere is not correct, my environment is not straight mm-hmm. and surrounding mm-hmm. me with positive energy... I'll just yourself. get thrown off because of just the vibes, man. Like, oh, like, <laughs> it, it's, I can't even understand it. And it shouldn't, because for me, having mm. the things that I want to do in life, like, I can't let that affect me, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes I try to get so, like, me, I have a very networking mindset. So, like, every time I meet somebody, I'm trying to figure out how I can build that relationship, so mm-hmm. that it's like the emotional relationship and the commercial relationship mm-hmm. can be in one right. So right, I, balance is not the answer. Huh? Balance is not the answer. What do you mean? Balance is not <laughs> the answer. Um, sorry. My the, but no, no no my my idea is like if I care for you. I'm trying to send you on a similar path that's kind of parallel to mine, but you have your own path. But I'm trying to send you down that path on your own, but I want to walk with you together from afar. I don't think, I'm going to explain that metaphor. Which is like, everybody that I meet that I see potential in, I'm trying to tell them, like, they have this thing that they want to do, and I'm trying to tell them, Like, why don't you do this? Like, why don't you like you're complaining about this, but why don't you start a podcast? Or why don't you build a website and start selling this stuff that you make all the time? Mm -hmm. Or why why don't you do this? And then here comes the complaining. And I got like, I'm getting so I'm getting kind of like uh, inspired right now. Somebody I work with currently, like we're talking and she's like really adamant about Taking her business to the next level and I'm helping her out like I'm I'm gonna do something for her and I'm not even expecting any monetary thing which is kind of like for me it's kind of Like against the grain I don't usually do that, but my thing is my hope for something is so low that I just feel like Whenever I can give to somebody to take them to the next level like you gotta pay it forward right exactly so That's just my thing. Everybody that I meet, as much as we connect on a personal level, I want you to succeed because I know your personality is great. So I know you would make a great contribution to society. And I understand that the contribution to society in this current state means that you have a monetary investment, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like if you get enough people that have that right mindset in your circle, right?
2: Uh-huh.
0: that you all start to influence each other and grow each other and then you would work towards something that would be beneficial for everybody but you also know it'll be helpful. Uh-huh. But what we know uh-huh. about the current state of things is that anything probably progressive moving every and I don't mean progressive as in like air quotes progressive. Uh-huh. I mean anything that tries to push people forward these days, kind of tries to get snuffed out. And I mean, out of all the people you meet with potential, a mm. majority of those people, like, get snuffed out. Like myself, like, sometimes I meet people with bad energy and it just snuffs me out for a couple weeks because I mm. just fall into a depression. Mm-hmm. And it's how you come out of that and how you keep pushing forward. Like, or and I just... Don't get trapped in it. Exactly. Right. And I've been trapped in it for a while now. I'm trying to keep pushing forward out of that because. You gotta come up here, man. Full of positive energy <laughs> and, and productivity
2: vibes. There
1: man. you go. <laughs> I mean, okay, so let's. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna jump in here because I got like mm-hmm. three things. Um. So, yeah, the first part that I wanted to bring up was like the, the implications of what you were just talking about and people and. Taking their own success in their hands and Mm -hmm. being their own business person and basically writing their own checks, whether that's from passive income, like advertising on their own website and shit like that, which you could argue you're still getting a check from somebody, right? But everybody's trying to advertise. So you're not Mm -hmm. beholden on one advertiser.
2: Right.
1: You know, the other thing is that like the projections right now for the economic precedent in the next 30 years. Mm-hmm. is that we're basically going to be like you were referencing uh, in a predominantly freelance yeah. economy and what that means for people who listen aren't well versed in economy and, and social economic structures basically we've lived for the last I'm going to say 60 years just for conservative mm-hmm. numbers sake on a 40 hour week minimum wage is enough to make a to survive in this country. Yeah. Right? Not necessarily live a life of luxury. live, the, Seize the American dream. But it's enough to live mm-hmm. within your means, you know? Yeah, you eat in four or five times a week. Eat out once, maybe twice. If you have a, a spouse, whether, whether you're married or not. If you have a long-term commitment, you tend to have a secondary income in the home. But your home space is one step down on the on the socioeconomic status and so you're able to lavish yourselves a little bit. Yeah. Whether it's a three-day vacation or $150 date night for your anniversary, whatever. Mm. Um you're able to accommodate that by having a dual income household. Um but in the next 30 years we're gonna be close to 50% 50% 50 to 60% Freelance economy, which basically means no matter which industry you're in, fifty to sixty percent of that workforce is going to be independent. Yeah. In other words, contract based, probably on a six to eight to six to twelve month basis, which basically makes an annual contract (laughs) or bi biannual contract to determine whether or not a company is going to keep you on, particularly in in the private sector, but also in state run. Institutions right. like most teachers now and in, in four year institutions, state run institutions that are all about indoctrination and shit. Most teachers at that level have a part time teaching job. Right. Because they're on a contract basis, they don't have job security, it's almost impossible to get tenure, they don't get the pay for their masters anymore. Just imagine a project
0: based career though. That's
1: that's right. what I think yeah. is like there's gonna be one-offs. I'm gonna come in, do this for you. Whether right. it's advertising or right. developing a theme for your company's next next project, you know, like a video game. Right. You're like, I'm gonna be the creative director for your video That's game. That's what I think. I'm not writing the goddamn it. story. Yeah. I'm not drawing up the art. I'm gonna be sitting in on your scripts and your. I'm gonna be sitting in on all those meetings. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm your creative design lead but I'm an independent contractor. I don't work within your company's philosophy per se. I'm going to try to adhere to it on my job for you, but I'm going to be at your writer's meetings. I'm going to be at your content creation meetings. I'm going to be at your uh, art design meetings. I'm going to be there at all the head meetings, take notes, blast out an email, carry my notes. You guys do with them what you will. And then I'm going to talk. I'm going to have a meeting once a week, once every two weeks with the heads of each department and we're going to talk about the critical elements and themes and motifs going forward in your gaming company or your business, right? Whatever mm-hmm. business you're running. Hey, I've met with the workers association. I've met with the managerial staff. I've met with the CEOs and the board. These are the things where we have common ground. These are the things where we don't. These are the critical things in the third column that you're going to have to look at in order to make your company sustainable. hmm And then we're going to attack that, right? These are freelance, independent, reference sources, um, chances, opportunities that we're talking about here for like a 50 to 60% freelance economy. You're not going to have a boss for for a 40-year career, right? Right. Like we were talking about before, if you want to be that person with 34 years of experience and not be a manager, that's going to be what 50 to 60% of an industry of freelancers looks like whatever industry you're in
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're going to be a freelance retail manager or a freelance uh, restaurant manager and you're going to manage several different restaurants for several different brands that are probably all inevitably competitors of each other right. at some level <clears throat> and because of the circumstances of economy these non-compete clauses in and in, in your work are going to have to disappear yeah because as so this brings me to my second point that i that i call pay it forward we're seeing like we are at the beginnings of a workers movement right now because our industry is changing the way our economy is changing the way technology is changing and connecting people we're seeing that a technological innovation similar to the industrial revolution which led to a lot of uh, labor appropriation, and uh, disenfranchisement of the working class,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're back in that motif, in that re- in that renaissance. We're having a renaissance of the workers and industrial movements on top of each other, right? Before we had the Industrial Revolution, then we had the Workers' Revolution, the Workers' Movement in the 1930s, and the Labor Riot Acts that reinforced uh, safe work environments. Right, that's where you get the formulation of things like the FDA or uh, the Federal Workers Association um, or the Farmers Bureau, things like that, so that small timers can't be taken advantage of a corporation that can just afford to pay you off. We're seeing that now as we have new industries innovate technology and move forward with different ways of working and continuing to do your job,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and eventually it will come to what what I just said, where. These non compete clauses will have to go because it won't be sustainable for the economy. And the government's going to have to meet with these private companies and go, look, guys, you can't tell them they can't work for your competitor if you're not going to pay them up. If you're not going to hire them full time and give them like a 10 year contract to guarantee, you know, regardless of how hard they work, they're going to write their own 10 years. Yes, your company will have to deal with it, but if you're going to tell them they can't compete, If they they can't use their own skills in a free market system while not being contracted and given job security, it's not sustainable for them. It's It's not matching up to their cost of living. You know, they have travel expenses. They have all these other things they have to take care of. Yes, they don't live where your headquarters is based. They don't have the same living costs as where your headquarters is, but you're still hiring them. You're still contracting them. You've contracted them for four or five years. Clearly, they're doing something right. So either give them a long-term contract to give them an established income that they can then take to the banks for car loans, house loans, mortgages, whatever, business loans, or you got to get rid of their non-compete clauses and just deal with the fact that some other companies that they work for are going to be a better place for them to work than yours, and you're just going to have to make yours more accommodating. That's how a free market is supposed to work, and I think it'll probably take another 30 years to reach there. Like, it'll... It'll take another critical mass point, just like in the, la- in the labor riots in the 1930s and 20s and 40s. It's going to take a bunch of strikes and a bunch of clashes with police and a bunch of police citizen violence to get the government to pay attention, just like with the Civil Rights Act of 1965. And then Brown v. Board 1 versus Brown v. Board 2. Like Brown v. Board is one of the only cases the Supreme Court has ever revisited. <laughs> and there's a reason for it. And it took a lot of violence and a lot of bloodshed and a lot of innocent blood sacrifice to get the government to go, Ooh, we fucked this up. And it's going to take that again because the government just doesn't care unless people are dying in the streets. And that's, unfortunately, that's a fact of how superpower nations work. Yeah. It's not it's not personal, per se. It can be for some people in representation, but by and large the comp- the 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 country can't the country lock litigators, prosecutors, and congressional branches what is it? Legislative branch, sorry folks. Legislative branch, judicial branch, and executive branch aren't gonna pay attention unless their own citizens are being lost in mm-hmm. droves repeatedly that's just how it is they go okay this is a much bigger issue than we thought it was and now we have to deal with it yeah that's just that's how national change works you got to start with the small fights and sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice you got to pay it forward so that at some point when the levy breaks everybody who fought early on who still survived is going to reap the benefits and the benefits are going to pay it forward a few generations Mm mm-hmm And that's, unfortunately, just how change in the United States works. That's how it was with uh, the Revolutionary War Um, against Britain, the Civil War against ourselves. That's how it was with the labor riots, with the Civil Rights Act movements in the 1960s. That's just how it is. Mm -hmm. Our country is that massive. It takes that. And we're bigger now than we were in most of those movements. Mm Mm-hmm. I think, except for in the Civil Rights Act, our country's been growing. until so we... I think Hawaii came in as a last date, in like the nineteen late 1950s. And even then, that was technically a small civil war. I mean, we seized it by military force. Technically speaking.
0: Um, Just like we seized everything. Anyways. Um, Just like we seized everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> whisper in like 30 years... By the way, that
1: was funny. Um, in 30 years, we're going to have a critical point, I think, for, mm-hmm. the, for, our, for our generation's labor movement, for the millennials, for Generation Z, as they're coming into their own fruition at 25 and 20 to 30. And for the next generation, who's going to be like 18, 19, 20, we're going to have an influx of freelance operators who can't afford anymore to, to do what we do it today. To sustain two or three jobs, three four jobs, just to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. That there's going to be too many people in, in
0: between those three generations to survive. Yeah, which is why I feel like you're going to be living now in mostly a project based economy. I feel like right. I feel like everything's <coughs> going to be project to project, and I feel like that'll be great because that will separate. The wheat from the, the wheat chaff. From the chaff, bro. I like that phrase. How can you survive on not only being constantly consistent, but always changing and keeping up with the way? And then you that also things have to move.
1: You also have to be able to reason mm-hmm. as to the failures in your projects, right? Because exactly. like not every project is going to go off like the Mass Effect project no, or the project. Happens. Or the COD project, you know, you're gonna be working in an industry where you have good and bad projects. And you're like, I had to rush it to the what, end. Like Star Wars. I, oh Jesus! Like Star Wars? Mm. Perfect. Okay, so we're getting back into it. <laughs> My check-in. Super stressed. Your check-in. Stressed. Trying to fight negative energy in the workplace or in the in the personal sphere, whatever. Everywhere. Welcome to the fucking holidays, people. Happy holidays. Not stressful holidays. And to that end, I would like to say, moonshine is a very good social movement. It is. I'm just saying, shouts to the people from uh, Ireland and Scotland who brought moonshine into existence here in the States. Thank you to my ancestors who broke their backs trying
0: not to get shot
1: and arrested during Prohibition.
0: Shout out to all the people out there protesting today because mm. they want Trump to be impeached tomorrow. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, we've already had two Democratic uh, senators split,
1: and not just, like, say no, they re-registered themselves as Republicans. Yeah, In the middle of their term, I might add. Yeah, that's, that's bullshit. I don't think you should... I- I know that why it's there. I understand the the precedent for why it's there, but I don't think a senator I elect on my platforms that I believe in should be able to switch platforms in the middle of their term.
0: Yeah, I I feel like like that's well, some shit yeah. that you do. Like don't give well, me. Well, one. I feel like if you vote for somebody that's a Democrat just because they're a Democrat and then they were for a Republican, saying, like, so I'm saying if I back up your platforms as a as a
1: senator or House Rep. And a year before the election, you tell you me you keep
0: skipping out on the Star Wars conversation. i I'm sorry. Right? Right. Like, we're not going to dive into politics. We're getting no. No, but no, we're gonna, no, we're hitting no, no, a no. huge point here, which is like, which is like, as a politician, should you be able to switch your party affiliation? Yes, you should. In the middle of well, this is the problem with like political parties and an individual carrying out a public service. Like, are we viewing our politicians as an individual having a specific platform for them? Or are we like, visualizing a politician as someone who carries the political platform of their party on their back? So are we saying that it's wrong because now this politician has an awakening and wants to switch and now his platform has changed? If so, do we do a re-election? Or are we saying that a politician just carries that political platform on their back? And if you elected this politician because of their platform and they don't support it anymore mm -hmm. and they go over to the other platform, Mm -hmm. is that acceptable? Mm -hmm. Because my thing is, if you just voted for a politician because of... their party line you don't don't listen to anything their platform is you just know what your core political platform is Mm -hmm. then I feel like if that politician (laughs) I feel like if that politician flips in the middle of their term that's kind of your fault for just bending on them just Mm -hmm. as them riding their political party on their back and Right. right, like yeah, you wouldn't accept anybody in your in your workplace
1: riding the coattails of their predecessor just because they're exactly they're that guy's kid or the guy who's been there so you long. Would no right. You would give you them, don't them no give respect. Right, you not give them no Any respect if you think that you know better.
0: But my thing is, uh, for you politicians as individuals who have specific political platforms, which I think we should, and those platforms are coincide with the political platform of their party. They Mm -hmm. may not always align perfectly, but they coincide with that. They have an affiliation, but they also have a personal platform. I kind of agree with the fact that we should have a re-election. But now my thing is, my argument with that is, now that I've pointed out that dichotomy and looked at both sides of the situation, this side of the situation where we have a politician who has an individual belief system, and who also has a party platform that they have to also support, major- like they have to have majority support for, <coughs> that goes to question, should we even have political party affiliations for political candidates in the first place, if they're going to have a separation, right? If there's a separation between what you as an individual have as a platform and someone votes for you because of what your platform is, should you have an affiliation with a political party now? Because then that then creates a that creates a separate series of arguments where if for both reasons I can kind of see for both reasons that you would want to call for a re-election just because that motherfucker, There's right? an individual, he, he right? Have you in the back, motherfucker? Exactly. There's an individual relationship with that person,
1: right? Even if so, you don't know your representative personally, you don't get in, you don't get a free ticket to his to his rallies or anything. But
0: you voted said, for a promise, and the person right. didn't keep it. That
1: motherfucker said, "I'm going to okay. do this." Exactly. Which I don't think. I don't. Okay. So two things. One, what, we were ta- what you were talking about previously is called straight-ticket voting, Yeah, and I only point that out because a lot of people are just unknowledgeable about their voting process because it does I mean, vary it from do county, to county to county, state yeah. to state, and you walk into your center and they go, "Are you, how are you affiliated? Okay, do you need a straight ticket or do you want a, a, a multi-ticket, basically, um, or a two-party ticket? Is what they say, and then the third party is always like the two people from the green party are always there at the bottom of the first page, rip. <laughs> but they still refer to it as a two-two ticket party system. Um, but and we we refer to our, our electoral college or my, our congressional congressional con- <laughs> our legislative branch as a a two party system, even though technically it's a three party system, but. That being said, what we were talking about before is called straight ticket voting. If you want a more encompassing body of people running to vote on, go down to your DMV, go down to your uh, your city hall, just go to the front desk, and be like, hey, I need to change my political registration. Here's the secret: register yourself as independent. And then the next time you go to the voter's booth, they see you're registered as independent. They will automatically hand you a a voter's ticket or send you to a machine with your voter ID logged in already because you've checked in and shown your ID or whatever, depending on the state you live in. And then either you tell the machine you want a full ticket or not. Right. You get the choice. Now, whereas before they just go, okay, do you need a straight party ticket or not? And what would happen is, in not in a straight party ticket, you get all the blues or all the reds with the green party. That's what that means. Versus uh, an independent ticket, which is where you get all the blues and the reds and the greens. And what that does for you, it, it gives you the power back as the voter. To actually pick and choose. You don't have to just vote blue.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't have to vote for. Ocasio-Cortez. If you don't want to. You can pretend. And tell your friends that you did. If you live up in her district. But you don't have to. <laughs> or don't, don't vote for Bernie. But again. Bernie's re-registered as independent. He said fuck the DNC. Yeah, <laughs> Although he is running as a DNC primary. Mm-hmm. But. That's because he understands that they have the persuasion. Again, on to the next point. We actually work in a two- to three-party system, depending on the issue that we're talking about, versus a multi-party system. And this is the point that you brought up. Is it better to have a system where we only have two parties and people can flip-flop in the middle of their
0: term, Yeah. Or have a multi-party system? Well, I mean, have a system where politicians are not connected to a political party, period. Right. It, it has the same, in my, in my opinion, based on
1: historical context, mm-hmm. it has the same effect as
2: yeah.
1: a multi-party system. If you go back and you look at the historical regime changes between <clears throat> places like Germany and Hitler and the quote-unquote alt-right or the Nazi party, or you look at uh, the the Zaw- the revolution that was Soviet Russia. Or you look at uh, Italy and um, Mussolini. Uh-huh. Or uh, who's the guy in North Africa? At the time? Gaddafi. No, no, no. At the time around Hitler. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyways, if you just focus, let's just focus on the on the democratic switches to the democratic switch I should I should say a multi party system on a democratic philosophy
0: that ended up in a tyranny. Let's focus on Germany. You said North Africa? Yeah. Libby Oh around the time of Hitler no Yeah, mind. um okay. um
1: anyway sorry we're not gonna get hung up on that let's look at Germany If you look at Germany's historical records in a multi-party system, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: one man can sway just enough power, just enough opinion to take full power. So in a two-party, three-party system, if we're being nice to the Green Party, love you guys, but you don't have a lot of political clout. And that's in our system that we have here in the United States. It's very hard for one person just to sweep the field. Yeah. I mean, even Hillary gave Trump a run for his money until the last day.
2: Yeah.
1: And, you know, the Rust Belt gave her a good shot and she just fucking ignored him. So, you get what you get. You made your bed. Why in it, Hillary? Um. second point if you look at germany's historical records like i said before hitler and the nazi party took power with only 30 percent 33 percent of the vote again correct me on my numbers if i'm wrong but 30 to 33 percent that's literally as much as that in in the states that's equivalent to just two parties Right, and, Or mm-hmm. two voter bases, I should say. Not two parties. Two voter bases. So, following historical precedents, you get the white vote. Right? White meaning anybody who's immigrated here who falls under the whiteness principle of earning your, your place in the inner circle of, of the white populace, whether you're Irish, Italian, Scottish, uh, German, uh, English, Dutch, whatever.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You've been accepted into the white, anglo saxon Protestant base that formed this country as white. Okay, you get the white vote. That alone is 30% of America's voter base. So now you only need part of the African American vote, or part of the Hispanic vote, or part of any other minority vote. And you have 33%. Which is exactly what Hitler did. Hitler ran... On a bullshit campaign, managed to get 33% of vote, took power, and followed the majority party line for who voted him in, which happened to align to his views, which is why they voted for him. Turns Germany into into a, a military complex state, and literally takes over almost all of Europe.
2: Yeah.
1: And took over a third, technically, of Russia, but it was like the most inhospitable parts of russia which is why his military died you know they died of starvation cold other natural ailment should just let it go should let that shit go bro you should have just been like yeah they're on my side i'm not gonna fuck with them yeah like you didn't even have churchill beat yet you should have let that shit go son that's the war in 40 years not now anyways we're not gonna into that Looking at the principal voter base and how you take power and dichotomy versus multi-multi platform society, it's much harder to sweep 51% of the vote or 56, 57, whatever Trump won on, versus what Hitler won on. So if we move to a multi-party system, it's very likely that just enough bad people, bigoted arbitrary, surface-level, judgmental people get together just to gain power temporarily. Yeah. Just to get a foothold in the door of power, you know? And then they just run amok for... How long was World War Two? 15 years? Mm-hmm. 14 years? That's crazy. You had a world war off of one asshole who got 33% of the vote who believed in a specific physical body type that even he didn't have. Yeah. Which speaks to a shit ton of self-hate. But I don't think that's the way we want to go in the United States, is the is the nuts and bolts. You do that, yeah, then all the neo-Nazis are gonna come out in force. I'm like, oh my god, we're going have to do nearly as much work to get the power we want. Right. All the racists, all the bigoted... They go, well, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a neo-fascist, I'm not a neo-Nazi, I'm not a Nazi, but you do also hate the Jews. And the Jews are the cause of everything. Yeah. If you're not paying attention because you're at work listening to our podcast, shout out, I love you guys. But that was fucking satire. Don't hit us up and tell us that we're fucking crazy or bigoted. It's called fucking satire. Those two parties get together. That and in a multi party system where we're split five, six, seven ways like France's and then you get fucking riots in the street over a minority vote. Yeah. From from our current democratic perspective. We have a two party system with a significant amount of swing vote. Which is good, I think, because it keeps people on their toes. I mean it keeps enough people on their toes not to just fuck up everything. I think that's good. In a multi-party system, like what Hitler went on, like what uh, the guy in France just went on who's quoted uh, with a bunch of um, hateful language. That's yeah. how I'm, I'm going to put it because I don't want to drop those terms that are going to get us like, demonetized and shit. Not right. that I'm making any monetization currently, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Um, donate at ASpace Podcast at Cash App or right. directly to us at aspace.gmail. Yeah. And we'll follow up to you. Um that being I'm said. A
0: Patreon supporter. Ooh. I don't know Ooh, the page. I
1: think Patreon Patreon's on a fucking ban streak just like YouTube. <laughs> They're kicking people off like that right now. Well
0: until they ban us. They were,
1: they were like we got mind. we got rid of Alex Jones and mm-hmm. we survived.
0: Ooh, yeah. we're gonna start kicking motherfuckers yeah.
1: off. Now <laughs> PayPal's like right. son. You can't have this. Yeah.
0: Was like, oh, good point. Nick's. Well, my thing is, if you run political candidates on just their platform alone, mm-hmm. no political affiliation. Like, everybody's independent, basically? I feel like that would be the best
1: move. For sure. Best just move. like people should vote on fucking Judges. I don't know if you've been following it, but Trump's... Do you
0: you want people to vote on the people who are going to rule against or for them in a court case, though? Wouldn't that be a conflict of interest? Wouldn't that be the legal definition of a conflict of interest? If it's in the district
1: you live within, yes. If it's the appellate court, no. But that's where the crux of the problem is. The appellate court judges are appointed. Their state-level judges are voted in.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, it's both a good and it's a double-edged sword. Um, The president at the time gets to put in whatever kind of judges he wants. Yeah. Trump is getting ready to put in a hundred judges. How many of them are going to have a similar judgment vote to Kavanaugh? Right. Not that I'm bringing up all that shit from his hearing. I watched almost every day of his publicized hearing and inquiry. Yeah. We don't need that for a hundred fucking judges. Right. That's that gums up the system. That that nullifies the efficacy and validity of democracy. Um. All that being said, I don't want to say it should be Congress. Honestly, I think it should be other judges that pick other judges.
2: Mm-hmm. My That's district, kind
1: of like, problematic. I know because so here's my thinking I think the Supreme Court should appoint federal judges only people who have been nominated by the president and approved by, by let me correct this only judges who have been nominated by the executive branch to the Supreme Court of this country the, na- the National Supreme Court and then approved by Congress should then so you to now point A point B point C third step system, the third check and balance only then after they've been approved by the president, been approved by Congress, then the Supreme court comes in. You have a triple check and balance system, which typically we don't have. We just have a duality system within three different systems. One checks, the other checks, the other checks, the other come around full circle. That's presumably enough. When you're talking about federal judges who are going to dictate what comes up to the Supreme court, right? Mm -hmm. Not that you're going to persuade those judges' choices. I mean, there's over 100 judges just for Trump alone. But if you changed it so that every federal judge had to be vetted by the executive branch, had to be vetted by Congress, and then had to be vetted and approved by the Supreme Court themselves, who have extensive judicial experience, go figure. Judges should be approved by people who know how to handle it and be unbiased based on their positioning in the country. Take that with a grain of salt if you're a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, that's a really good way to vet federal judges who are eventually, after another 30 years, going to be voted up to the Supreme Court nomination list for six presidents down the line to look at for their prospective replacements. Like, no matter who you are, whether you're Scalia or Ruth Bader Ginsburg or Kavanaugh, I'm like, yeah, I would greatly appreciate having a hand in determining an unbiased judge. And as a Supreme Court judge, my reputation speaks for itself. My record as a judge speaks for itself, and my efficacy of being able to determine whether or not somebody's biased or unbiased. I right. approve them not for my position, not guaranteed to replace me. I'm just saying this guy should be a federal judge. This is a good position for them eventually. Maybe they continue to do well, maybe they don't. That's for two generations later to figure out because my position's fucking guaranteed. Right? Like, you come up from a state judge level to a federal judge level, you're not going to get the bid for a Supreme Court in four years, eight years, ten years, sixteen years. You're not, that's not going to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: As a judge on the Supreme Court, I cannot guarantee your election your election is still between the executive branch and the legislative branch to the Supreme Court because it would be extremely biased and slanted if the Supreme Court then had to approve their own judges. But at a federal level, if you let the highest judges in the land verify and and either agree or disagree in, in dissent on those cases... And then kick that back to the executive branch and be like, look, you gotta take this guy off the list because he's not getting in. Who else do you nominate? And then start the process over again. Yeah, it slows it down a little bit. But I think within eight years, the executive and legislative branch would stop doing this whole cow and pony show with executive branch nominees and legislative branch approval and using that as a power grab, mm-hmm. you know, and then just be like, look, this is just this, this is the guy we're going to have or gal we're going to have ru- ruling on our cases at a federal level. Like, whether it's civil, criminal, whatever. It's not a judicial make or break at that point. It's not yeah. a Supreme Court make or break. I don't think at a federal level it's going to have that much of a gum up in the system. And I think it would be much better than just going with these two branches that have no causal ability to actually determine bias versus unbiased. Mm-hmm should be making him a call, especially when the congressional branch, which then elects executive offices, all runs on a political platform. If I'm running for president, I mean, Donald Trump wasn't even part of the legislative branch. Mm-hmm. Churchill was not part of the legislative branch before he ran. He was a soldier. Okay. If I'm in legislative and, and, and the executive branches, I'm like, look, I, I don't have the ability to be impartial. I run on a party platform. I send it to another part, another part of the government, the executive branch, whose electorate officials come from either my party or my my dichotomy party, my enemy, if you will, the other side of the aisle. Neither of us are going to be impartial. Pick that shit. The executive branch who have t- not just. Sorry, not the executive branch. The judicial branch, particularly the Supreme Court. Yeah. And hopefully, because the Supreme Court is approving judges, you weed out all the unnecessary cases for the uh, Supreme Court to hear. I mean, the Supreme Court rejects most of the cases that get presented to them, either because it's not an important enough issue at the time, even though it is an important issue, but it's not important enough. Or they're, they're really only hearing cases that establish precedent that could have a ripple effect across generations, like Brown v. Board. Mm. Brown v. Board 2, which was heard in just another 20, 25 years, they revisited another case in just a generation. What? That's unheard of. I don't know that there's another case that they've done that with. And there's been, like, political subterfuge about Roe v. Wade, and then there being a Roe v. Wade 2, but they've never done it. Mm-hmm. because they're like no the logic and precedent and dissent are established no matter how uh, how hard you run it they're like you don't have anything new i mean roe v wade took years of for argument formation and litigation and debate and public controversy and uh, legislative branch representatives running on pro or anti roe v wade it took what? Like, 20 years to get the case knocked up. Pardon the pun. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. That was a very, like, gallo-humor joke. Anyways, point being, I really think there should be an adjustment for federal judges to be nominated and approved by the Supreme Court. Nominated by executive, verified by the legislative branch, and then approved by the Supreme Court. That being said, how far are we into this? Nimbus? how far are we into this?
0: I'm uh, in 22 minutes.
1: Okay. I'm making an executive decision. <laughs> What's up?
0: Got to go back to Star Wars. Cuz this is turning into 2 This is Let's from go back into Star to a, Wars. to a regular podcast. Oh no, that was so bad. That was so bad. Well, I couldn't do the actual Darth Vader thing. No, don't do it. Dun. Don't do it.
1: We're going to cut out. Disney will come after <laughs> us, son. So
0: what did you do? Dun,
1: I did dun, the gala dun. walk. I did the gala walk. So like oh. in olden times when they would walk out pirates or people to be executed. It's the walk of death.
0: That's actually cool.
1: Time that's what time. that's what the Darth Vader theme was based off of. Yeah. Sorry, Lucas. I know you say it's not, but let's be real. You're not that creative. That's why your movies sucked. Uh, you should have just turned your series into a TV series. That's why Clone Wars has been so great. Which is why Disney no. accepted it as canon. Get the fuck out of here. No. Yes. No. That's a.
0: That is a I statistical feel like fact. I feel like more people like Star Wars,
1: Clone Wars, the cartoon series, which. To be fair, it's based off the novels written by, um, has more diversity in it. That's why. It's not just that, but like the content, the expansion of character development is much better on the TV yeah. series. For for a universe as big as Luke's wanted to create, yeah. but he didn't create it because he didn't flesh everything out. Sorry, you're not Tolkien. You're not Martin. Yeah, but Get well,
0: I feel like if you lay the, basis- you're not David Edison.
1: Get if out of my mind. If
0: you lay the foundation for creation, you pretty much created it. Mm-mm. Because everybody has to come to you <clears throat> to say, how does this fit into your original vision? So that everything is keeps the continuity. Oh, that's really? why that's oh, why really? even know how much that's why even know how much they try to keep his name out of Star Wars. Somehow, Somehow they're, they're always pulling him back in to consult on every freaking movie, dude. His I'm name consulted has never been every, out of it. Yes, it is. His name has
1: never been out of it. Every movie you've gone to has Lucas Films in front of it.
0: Exactly, but my his thing name's is, never been
1: out of it. That's that's, that's how you buy his rights.
0: That's true. always how it's been. He goes, "Oh, you want my shit? Right. You want my shit?" But he's never really credited for doing anything other than creating. Star Wars right even though he consults on every single movie so who's, they bring him in the consult so who's on credited movie. for creating America so he had so he had he should get a producing credit for every freaking movie oh no yes no Yes. No, sir yes no why,
1: why not okay there's it's it's the simple philosophy of IP versus public domain. Mm-hmm. Eventually, something you create spirals so far out of your so control that you... That's right. how patent law works. What, but you, let me ask you, you what, is, what does a producer do? A producer adds their own change to the series. That I mean, that's why if you, you have public domain movie, law on
0: YouTube. If you consult on a movie and say this is the direction... That I originally had for the movie, and if you would like to keep the continuity, this is the direction that you should fit in mm-hmm. I feel like you should get a producing credit for that because you have put your own you're missing the caveat of the final the
1: the the the, the
0: Final product What you're saying is that producers have a final okay. Is that what you're saying?
1: Producers and and
0: editors get the mm-hmm. final okay.
1: Nine times out of ten actors aren't in that
0: editing room. But, Nine times out of ten But you know a hell of a lot of actors actually produce movies and never Yes they do. That's, that's always like yeah. the
1: go-to thing but if you're acting as a lead mm-hmm. particularly if you're also a co-producer or I don't mean co as in to the project you're acting in, but if you're another producer, Mm -hmm. then you're even less likely to be brought in for a console because the producer of the film, unless they're a real honest artist Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or they just hit a block and they like, the editors like, I can't decide how to cut this down, but we got to get it down to like a minute, 30 minute, 45. And we have two and a half hours of film. Yeah, But our budget mandates that we keep it this low to meet the PG-13 rating, to meet this projected numbers build. How do we do this? Then maybe you bring in the leads to say, what do you guys think are the most important scenes for your characters? And maybe then... I mean, that's how cute, that's how most actors, well, lead I mean, actors get into producing is they have the well, opportunity yeah. to come into the editing room before their producers and go, yeah. this is what I think. What do you guys think? And they have an educational discourse about it behind closed doors conveniently. But in the case of Lucasfilms, in the case of Lucas and Star Wars,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's the argument in, in terms of like films and spinoffs or the expanded universe yeah oh, okay yeah they're still good i mean all the most of the flavors leached out of them and the colors leached out of them because of the ethanol but okay. they're still viable fruit and ethanol is actually a preservative oh yeah. just yeah. like vinegar so technically they're a, a another form of pickle
0: Pickled strawberries. Right, but whereas when you pickle pickled moonshine, yo, let's make a moonshine stop. label called This is Dude, very important. Stop, it. stop.
1: This is very important. You have <laughs> to understand this. These are not pickled strawberries, they've <laughs> not <laughs> been marinated in vinegar. They've <laughs> been marinated in ethanol, which strips the flavors but leaves the flesh. Mm. So they still chew like a strawberry. They don't chew like a pickle. Yeah, but they will have no
0: strawberry flavor.
1: No, they're just gonna taste like ethanol, because all the flavor has been seeped out into the actual ethanol yeah it's like it's i would it? say pair. it's the process of osmosis they've transferred mm-hmm. and diffused the flavors
0: i would say you pair something in there you would a little you would, bit more so naturally because
1: sweet. it's in its original uh filling case mm-hmm. this is if you were to serve this at a restaurant this is not how you serve it you sh- you take the fruit that's been leached out of it, that's mm. had the color and flavor leached out of it, you strain that out, and then you would garnish it with the fruit that it's supposed to have the flavor of. Mm. just like Blue Moon is always garnished the orange because it's a shit-ass beer that needs fresh orange to make it taste like orange. Because they don't use fresh oranges when they make Blue Moon, they use second-rate oranges that didn't develop enough, that couldn't be sold at market. If it doesn't meet the fresh produce minimum, it gets sold off to brewers.
0: It's messed up,
1: Phil. It is. But that's why you send it through an alcoholic process. It's messed
0: up, gambler. I,
2: go. I know. You just dropped my <laughs> whole name.
1: I almost my whole name. <laughs> Careful, son. Um, I've done it, too, so don't feel bad. But anyway, so back to Lucas Films. Um, so Lucas created what we would refer to as IP, the intellectual property. Okay. Yeah. You know. And as it developed, originally... Leading, not even before the first movie was published, mm-hmm. which is one, something I explained in one of the videos I posted in our Slack. Originally leading up to the film, Carrie Fisher, the, Lucas, and, um, oh my god, I'm just scratching his mm-hmm. name, Han Solo yeah. actor. Fuck! Tar and Feather Me. Harrison Ford. There Jesus. we go.
0: <laughs> we were, holy <falling>. yes. shit.
1: <laughs> you were stuck too? Yes, I was. I couldn't remember that motherfucker's name. Once I saw His face was right was out, in front. I just
0: erased him from my memory. His face was right in front of me. Which is stupid because the motherfucker didn't even jump. Right, exactly. Jesus. Anyways, how could so you not know Harrison Ford? Harrison
1: Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Lucas all had no idea how well their movies, they thought it was going to be like a B, C rate, sci-fi film. Yeah. But, they had started the marketing as we were talking about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Marketing's everything. They had started the marketing nine years before it came out. Oh. They spent a decade marketing this thing, and part of the marketing scheme was to partner up with Marvel at the time because you had the comic book industry bust, or right before the comic book industry bust. And so Marvel had massive capital. And they were like, hey. When you want to create a a storyline in a creative way that explains what's going to be happening in this movie because the movie's not going to be able to capture it all. Go figure you had foresight. Mm -hmm. Martin, go talk to Marvel and Disney. Stop dealing with HBO and the fuck-ass producers and editors and executives who don't have the
0: balls to make Mm -hmm. editors finish a fucking series. I heard the last season was horrible. Uh, I heard uh, heard it was horrible terrible. I heard that fans of Game of Thrones are pissed. You know what I want to do? Mm-hmm. I want to take those brothers. I want to put their hands well, on the did table. You stop. Wa- did you watch Game of Thrones? I watched through?
1: every episode. Oh, so two you or pissed. three times. You were pissed? Oh, okay. HBO gave them a 10 episode contract for season 7 and season 8 and the Russo brothers you fucking cock sucking
0: motherfuckers. <laughs> I love the Russo brothers. Are you talking about them cocksucking for, for like... <laughs> okay. So, I love them in Marvel. So... not. Mm. <laughs> so, what do they no, do? No, no, no. Okay. No, brothers, but, okay. Um, okay. I was about to say, because so I'm not I a Game of Thrones fan. I'm not a me. Game of Thrones fan, so I did not even know if they were involved or not. Oh, my God. I so, can't, I was like... I've spent
1: so much time putting these assholes out of my head, I forgot their names.
0: So, speaking of brothers... Duffer Brothers are freaking amazing. They made Stranger Things. They graduated from Jordan High School, our alma mater. And man, they are making it over there with Stranger Things. Like, okay, so I it's DBDB. DB. So
1: it's David Benioff and DB Weiss. Oh this? yes, so Weiss. Oh,
0: they're German.
1: That's why. So the DB brothers. <laughs> Nothing gets German. We just lost a significant <laughs> listener base. No, so the DB Brothers, aka But Brothers, um, mm. well, so they hop out, they, so Germans they, make they get the offer for calls. the they get, they get okay. the guaranteed contract for 10 episodes last two seasons, they go, Oh, wait,
0: pause, wait. Germans make some damn good chocolate, too. Okay.
1: Okay, fuck the chocolate
0: right now. My salt well, is too strong for the him Tim and Holland I like good chocolate too. I like Swiss chocolate? Okay. You can have your Swiss chocolate. I think I'm a little. I am just it's really good. feeling a little bit. I
2: love chocolate right now. Do you have any chocolate?
1: No, bro. You the chocolate motherfucker. I'm vanilla. <laughs>
0: go ask Alright, right, all Alright, alright, alright. Luke, Star Wars. Come on. Let's go. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star
1: Wars. So, DB Boys, (coughs) jump ship from Game of Thrones for Disney dick money. Because it is no longer Netflix and chill, it is now
0: Disney plus this dick. What? Is this a thing now? Yes. What? So, it's... How have I missed this
1: social media? Probably because it just hasn't caught on because Disney Plus has only been active for two months. What? It's what now? So, you... The dude during, as a millennial Gen- i on trigger. No, no, no. Gen Z can't grow up with Netflix and chill. Like that I'm was triggered. the moniker
0: for Netflix. Yes, this is definitely now, a millennial. And this is definitely this is now Disney saddening. Disney Plus. This dude, Are we being downgraded right now. No, Netflix and chill is out. Is it like totally? Yeah, now no, it's Disney Plus. This dick, bro. I'm <laughs> I'm growing several gray hairs. Disney man. Plus.
1: This dick, guy. Hashtag ASpace Podcast or Space Podcast on Twitter, Instagram. Don't do Gmail. That.
0: Don't do that. Don't don't do that.
1: Disney Plus this dick. <laughs> However, if you're a fucking wannabe try hard dude trying to get laid, don't try and come up with a club in line. Just go up to a chick and be like, look, I think they're fucking gorgeous and i want you to take I wanna take you back to my place. If that's cool with you when you decide to leave here. I got come Disney find Plus. me at this bar. No, no, no. Don't be like don't be fletching on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Disney Plus is not going to get you laid unless you're in high school, okay? <laughs> if you're a high school jock, you're like, hey, baby, I'll Disney Plus.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Yo.
1: But you should have like, that conversation with your parents. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> ma, dad, I need some condoms.
0: And then you just go, Disney Plus this day. Imagine a bunch of internet girls <laughs> just, like, flexing on the gram because they look looking for Oh, free that'd be the best thing
1: ever. If, if a bunch
0: of e-girls were just like
1: Disney plus this dick, boys. <laughs> I got Disney plus. You want to watch The Mandalorian? Come over.
2: <laughs> ah! Oh,
1: shit. We're getting into the six weeks of Sundays, did, folks. How did we get from
0: Star Wars? Because Disney and Disney plus <laughs> this dick. <laughs> To picking yourself up a date on Tinder. Oh, my God. No, no, no. It's not on Tinder. It's on Disney you... Plus. It's <laughs> on the Disney
1: Plus forums now. Really? Yeah. Oh, dude. I'm behind. It's not, it's not pervasive. I it's slow growing. behind, It's bro. slow growing, just like Netflix. Netflix was out for Disney a decade Plus before
2: has a there was forum? Netflix and
0: chill. Wait, Disney Plus has forums? Have you been to Reddit? Yeah, but Disney Plus... Reddit, I have Okay, so it's a Disney Plus subreddit. On Reddit. Right, but let's be real. No or one goes Disney. to the actual company forums anymore. They just go to Reddit. What do, what do you mean, Reddit?
1: So, like, every company has a public Dude, forum. Dude, you gotta understand. It's, it's I'm not Reddit okay. savvy, so, right, you so you gotta stop. explain this to okay, me. Okay, so, okay. Every company always has a, a public forum board for their official releases. Right, like Apex does. Where they bury the lead. You know, like, this code. is what we're gonna tell you that we're working on, but we got, like, 1,300 other things in the works. Yeah. And we're gonna, like, let our beta testers or our beta people know our original people our first 1000 people know this is what's going up what do you guys think you've been here the longest that's how every company does it right on ready on any on anything their control group is their first like thousand people and then they just scale that control group up to justify it to the to the uh investors okay whether you're riot games or hulu or microsoft or whatever right that's the general principle. You take a ten to one scale, you scale it up, you get an accurate percentage base, because percents are measured by hundred percent, which are gradually derivative by ten, which is better than two. But those two guys. Well, what if 10.
0: like a majority of your first thousand people are fats? Do you know what I mean by that? No. Fuck ass people. <laughs> well
1: then if they're fuck ass people then you just go, alright, if the fuck ass people Then you know your game's not gonna make <laughs> Right, right. If the fuck ass people like this is garbage, dude, burn this mess. Don't like bury this in the desert like
0: fucking. No, 80, but what Atari, I mean by that what I mean by that is that FAPS will let your stuff Roll on, and they know it's crap. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you're just fucked as a business company. You should have paid more attention to the people
1: in the beta. Yeah, right. You should have given more of a fuck about your player base from the get-go. Oh, anyway, man. so you beta test these theories and these films and things like mm-hmm. that, and kind of like novelists will have beta. Reviews right. They do. They have beta reviews, which you still have mm-hmm. not sent me a link to, you little fuckhead.
0: Look, the thing about my novel is that.
1: Uh, the thing like, about your novel is that you no, have no, no, a copy on your hard drive that you could fucking print out and give to me or only, email
0: to me. It's only 29,000 words. I don't give a motherfucking And it's not fully shit. developed. Like, it's not where I want it to be. And I think that's probably one of the things that, like, so me in not You don't, you really don't have confidence in your own writing for what I you do. yet. I do, but the but thing I give to your fucking brother? The thing is, I'm fully thinking about reworking probably the first fifteen thousand words of the story. Okay, so, so give me uh-huh. the whole thing
1: and I'll focus on the first fifteen and give you my impressions. Okay. Jesus.
0: Like we're we, announcing we it. About we're this for announcing six months, it. but this freaking novel, I looked at it the other day and it's horrible. Like the first fifteen thousand freaking horrible. Have you ever compared so, ten of your poems next to each other? Yeah, and how bad
1: does one look from another? The one one thing
0: was good, (laughs) right? The other nine need work, right? So I mean, so so stop feeling that way. I think that's an artist thing. That's an artist perfectionist.
1: Exactly. That's a a artist. It's the perfectionist in you that is required for you to be an artist and a creator. So
0: so fucking around. I I
1: live a mile and a half, maybe two miles from you, bro. Don't fucking dick me around about (laughs) this shit like you've been doing for four (laughs) months. Send me hmm. the goddamn beta test. It's actually been
0: like a year and a half. Well, saying. you're not the only person that's kind of on me about it. Because I, I put out the call a long time ago for beta readers. Uh, a lot of people wanted to the fucking Facebook. And I haven't you. supplied it, bro. So I didn't even the get the, the motherfucking person. Facebook when you were like, yeah,
1: I got like eight <laughs> Facebook readers. like, how am I not one of them? <laughs> I've known you for a fucking decade, you fucking shit. It. Come it's, on it's,
0: it's in, it's in.
2: I'm, I'm going to give it to You, give it
0: you to better it. give it to me look, daddy Look Oh man <laughs> <laughs> I'm triggered Slow that roll real I'm quick comfor- I'm comfortable in my sexuality But that makes me feel very uncomfortable. Okay <laughs> Don't trigger me Sorry I'm not a colonial
1: wife who doesn't get an update <laughs> Dude, that's okay. a rampant thing of rape, bro. Like colonial women raping and male and sla- male slaves.
0: Wait, wait, what? Women raping men? Columbia yeah, so like women raping men. The the plantation owners. Dude, wife. I'm so here with Joe Rogan. Why well, not see? <laughs> this has been a thing since Rome, dude. I don't see. Okay, so women rape men. Yeah, how so would that happen? Because no, I know what happens. RSA. Okay, 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 we're no, just no, we're, we're, we're not sidebaring here. We're messing around no, here, we're not, but I'm being here. serious. Stop. Stop. Let me give you, Jesus. let me give you my, we are sidebaring We are sidebaring here. Oh, oh, here, Jesus. My thing is, is we are from Lucasfilm the Star Wars <laughs> <of> to <eight> rape people. <laughs> okay, no, let's not stop running. Let's, okay, let's. Let's, no, what? let's put that in a little box. We gonna, we gonna put that I'm This gonna, is why this
1: is Six Ways from this, Sunday. I'm going to write this down as a note because you asked me to take notes and I told you I need to take more notes. So I'm writing this shit down in red at the top of my page. Let's put this in a box. Next time, we're going to talk about colonial rape of enslaved Africans and how it's evolved from Rome.
0: How's that? Check this out. If you can... Look, if you can reach out on a social media channel at Space Podcast on Twitter or Instagram or email us at ASpace Podcast and get this reference. Shingless blood. I will send you five dollars through the cash app. Oh. So we're gonna put that in the Big box. Money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I can I can resist. <laughs> to
0: take that shot. We're going we're gonna we're gonna take this right back. We, we will send you five bucks. Gonna, we're gonna put that in the box. You got we're gonna to put that in the box. Broke. We're gonna put that in the box with my mama's titties. <laughs> no, <And> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so really what
1: he's saying is he, as I'm gonna send you five bucks because he's got kids and broke and I don't have kids and I'm not
0: broke. <laughs> or I'm not as broke. I'm still kind of broke. Dude, everybody's broke. <laughs> everybody's, broke. <laughs> everybody's broke in the working class, let's be real. Everybody's broke. That's why we always. <laughs> I'm broke and get ready to move into apartment. That's why we got a cash app. <laughs> That's why we got a cash app <laughs> and a Patreon <page> because <laughs> we broke. Do we actually have a Patreon? We do have a Patreon. We do have a Patreon. Is, Look it up, dude. A Space Podcast. So on bad. We're partners yeah. on this, and you still
1: didn't notify me. Why am I surprised that you didn't send me your fucking book for beta
0: reading? Six Ways from Sunday's number three. This is gonna be the best one yet. Oh, I did get that number. That right was <laughs> <head>. cool. <laughs> See, I got like six over my notes now. But okay. search, search up. Uh, I was about to say search Six Ways from Sunday. Search a Space Podcast on Patreon, and you'll be able to find us.